my back and say, baby, it'll be okay. Now that's real to a brother like me, baby. Never ever get my pussy away and keep it tight, alright? And I'ma walk these dogs so we can live in a fat ass crib with thousands of kids. World life, you don't need a ring to be my wife. Just be there for me and I'ma make sure we be living in the fucking lap of luxury. I'm realizing that you didn't have to fuck with me, but you did. Now I'm going all out, kid, and I got mad love to get. All right, y'all. I'm back once again. I told you we'd be back. This is King Known Uncensored. We got a little bit of new music Fridays. We're going to be talking that Creed 3 soundtrack and shit. And we just going to get right to it. Well, actually, we're not going to talk about Creed first. first thing I want to talk about is Golden State Warriors. Now, they did have a very impressive win against the Los Angeles Clippers last night. Excuse my voice. My voice is not 100%. I'm getting over a cold, so please work with your boy. Fuck with your boy on this one. So, um, the Warriors had a 42-point third quarter against the Clippers when all of their parts were there from Westbrook to Paul George to Kawhi Leonard when Westbrook arrived in LA a lot of people had mixed reviews on that they were saying that Westbrook would mess up their chemistry and or Westbrook would elevate the team and they have been 0-4 since Westbrook has arrived in Los Angeles. But we'll get to them momentarily. Now back to Golden State. I think Golden State just put a warning out to the league because I looked at all you analysts, all you motherfuckers talking that bullshit on TV. Y'all was talking about Clippers Suns in the, in the Western Conference Finals. Y'all might y'all y'all might have brought up Dallas Y'all bringing up the Lakers. Y'all bringing up the Kings even over the defending champs, which I view as severely disrespectful to not only the Golden State Warriors, but to just Steph, to Kerr, like to damn near everybody here. Y'all act like these niggas can't repeat. They've repeated before. And, and, And what's killing me is Currently, as of today, they are fifth place in the Western Conference right now. Fifth fucking place. And they're doing and they're on a four-game win streak. And they're doing this without um Stephen Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Gary Payton II. Imagine that. Steph, who is probably your best player. Andrew Wiggins, who's arguably the second best player on the team. I say third because of Clay. Clay has resurged 
and has proven doubters like Charles Barkley wrong. Y'all act like the Warriors can't beat the Nuggets or something, or the Grizzlies, like they didn't beat both of them last year in the playoffs. You know, if the playoffs were to begin today, they would play Kevin Durant and the Suns the first round. And I'd take the Warriors in seven games in that. But um, the media's dis- disrespect of Golden State is crazy. Nobody is talking about them. Nobody is believing in them. Nobody is uh, even putting them in the stratosphere. Everybody's talking about Denver, talking about Memphis, talking about Phoenix, talking about even the Sacramento Kings over the defending champs. Y'all act like Steph Clay and Draymond are still not there. Y'all act like Jordan Poole isn't giving niggas 20 a night, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. Y'all acting like once Andrew Wiggins handles his family business and comes back on the court, like he can't get 15, 16 a night. Now, the Warriors this season have been disappointing in a way. They've been inconsistent. They've been horrible on the road. Their defense is inconsistent. But I feel like as of right now, they got hot at the right time, y'all. They did. They got hot at the right time. And they're ready for all challengers. I truly believe that once Stephen Curry comes back, the Warriors will be back in the top three seeds in the West. They may catch Memphis. Maybe. I'm going to put a heavy maybe on that. But I think they may catch Memphis and get the second seed. Because these motherfuckers want to go for five. Steph wants to tie Kobe. And Steph wants to beat out LeBron for rings. So that he can solidify himself as the best player of that era. And Steph has a good chance of doing so for a third time, possibly without KD. That would be crazy. But they, yesterday, they sent out a, a, a warning. That was a warning shot. Apologize about that if you heard that. But, um, yeah, man. The Warriors sent an extreme warning to the entire NBA yesterday that this is their time and they're coming. Pause, but it's just true. It's real like that. The defense is coming together. Even the third quarter Warriors showed up last night against the Clippers. I mean, we could talk about that game. We could start talking about it. But, you know, my thoughts on Golden State and the Clippers last night, man, listen. This was a changing of the guard. This was a very important game for both teams because the Clippers get to test where they actually are as a roster, as a team, what they need to work on. And Golden State's strategy versus the Los Angeles Clippers You know, Steve Kerr 
I don't know who, well, I'm going to take that back. I don't know who actually did the strategy in the second half to have Draymond checking Russell Westbrook and to give him all the space in the world, but that was genius. That was the same thing that the Lakers did against the Houston Rockets in the 2020 Mickey Mouse playoffs, right? It's the same strategy that they used. But they had Draymond waiting at the basket because Draymond is a pretty decent interior defender. So them putting Draymond at the top of the key and forcing Westbrook to shoot definitely threw off the Clippers' offense because they weren't expecting that. The first half, Russell Westbrook was able to go one-on-one. He was. He was able to go one-on-one. He was able to score at the basket and get George and Leonard involved. And then Mason Plumlee. You got to give Mason Plumlee his flowers because he was balling as well. Plumlee had 14 rebounds in the first half. That was pretty amazing, if you ask me. I mean, a 42-point third quarter. I mean, they ended up losing to the Warriors 115-91. However, Golden State is a phenomenal home team. I mean, Mason Plumlee had 20 rebounds yesterday. I mean, they played amazing, man. But the strategy... Now, will other teams pick up on the strategy that the Warriors used? I don't know, and I don't think so. I don't think they're smart enough to fathom that. Westbrook's shot is inconsistent. Now, is Westbrook the problem on the Clippers? Yes and no. Now, yes, his poor shooting does affect the team later on as they possibly will go to the playoffs, right? But it's more than just Russ. Tyron Lou has been fucking up as far as the lineups. And that's usually Lou's strong suit, figuring out the best group of people to put together. He's usually masterful at that. But I noticed a couple of things. Bones Highland did not get no clock last night. He should have. Terrence Mann wasn't utilized enough, in my opinion. Norman Powell was cold last night. He was horrible. And both teams did shoot horrible from three. But once that third quarter happened, the Warriors got their shit together. And it was very disappointing seeing the Clippers go out like that. The Clippers now fall to seventh. And they're on a four-game losing streak, ironically, since Westbrook has gotten there. 
playoffs were to start today, they would be a play-in team going against the Timberwolves. I mean, I take the Clippers in that game, but not by much. It's actually very fucking close. Between the four seed and the uh, 13th seed, there is a five and a half game gap. You lose three, four games, you might not make the playoffs in the Western Conference. Obviously, we know the Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Suns are safe from the Warriors to the Thunder from 5 to 13 it could look different now I truly believe that the Warriors are going to avoid the playing game you know especially with Curry returning Stephen Curry is returning on Sunday all I'm going to say is be afraid be very afraid my guy because the defending champs are back in the championship conversation. They're always going to be championship contenders. Long as Stephen Curry is involved. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, just like I told y'all, once Steph, Gary Payton Jr., and Andrew Wiggins come back, they're automatically a good choice to make a run because they can beat all these teams. They can beat Phoenix. They can beat Sacramento. They can beat the Grizzlies. They can beat the Nuggets. They can beat the Mavericks. Now, it's not going to be easy. You know, the King, the Nuggets, the Kings and the Nuggets got their weight up. They're not going to be easy outs. Grizzlies weren't an easy out even when Ja was out in that series. So, it's a lot to think about when it comes down to the Warriors and the Clippers' fates. Sticking with the Clippers, Paul George recently admitted that he cannot be the number one option on a championship team. Wow. I mean, but that's real shit, though. They tried in Indiana so many times, so many Eastern Conference Finals with no bid at least to try in the finals and once Paul teamed up with Kawhi he was willing to relinquish the number one option to him and a lot of players have too much ego to admit that so much respect to Paul George for at least coming to grips with that because a lot of players that do what Paul George does would never admit to that. So, oh man, there is a lot of Sean Carter hate going on. It's a Jay-Z hate train. All of y'all dumbass niggas with an opinion or with a blog or people that think and swear that they know hip-hop 
commented on this. Y'all are still giving Billboard a hard time for ranking Jay-Z number one. Now, I admit it. Billboard's list is trash. But I think Jay-Z at number one was the only one that they got right, in my opinion. A lot of people are discrediting Jay-Z. Like Big Gip. I love Big Gip as a member of Goody Mob. He can rap. He's dope. But as a musical critic, as far as breaking down rappers, it's not you, my G. It's not you. The nigga gonna say that when 50 Cent came out, Jay-Z disappeared. First of all, OG. OG to Young G. Young G to OG. You have to have context. If you actually followed Jay-Z, Jay-Z was retiring from rap at that time. He was like, you know, he saw the 50 Cent wave coming. So he retired for a couple of years. And then, you know, returned in 2006 with um, Kingdom Come. He returned in 2006 with Kingdom Come. When he returned, 50 Cent and G-Unit was still on their run. So it's not like Jay-Z stopped doing music during 50's prime. Jay-Z took a break and came back. And, you know, he still went number one on the charts when he released um, Kingdom Come. He was still outside. I mean... Here's the thing. Also, Jay-Z released another album during 50 Cent's reign called American Gangster. And guess what? That album went number one too. So a lot of niggas, and then you have to also understand, those Southern rappers have always hated Jay-Z. You want to know why? those southern rappers and west coast rappers you know everybody you know up north like you know midwest up north niggas east coast niggas they they know what jay-z is they know jay-z is one of the greatest to ever do it you don't want to know why those southern niggas are jealous of hove it's because they can't do what jay-z does they're not as smart as Jay-Z. They're not as versatile as Jay-Z. And they're not as popping. As Jay-Z. They're not as versatile as Jay-Z. They don't have the same success as Jay-Z. Niggas like Big Gip, Spice One, you know what I mean? I love Spice One, but Spice One is two-dimensional. All he does is talk about killing and tell stories. Big Gip is a swag rapper, a fly rapper. Uh, underrated storyteller to a degree, but you know what, though? Jay-Z can do it all. Jay-Z is a complete rapper from top to bottom. Jay-Z 
can, can do storytelling, can make girl songs, can make hit records, can make street records. He can make a, a turn-up record. He can make raps with substance. He's done it all. He could go from 99 problems to uh, give it to me. He could do a song cry and do uh, ape shit. He could do a hard knock life and do a money ain't a thing. Big Kip and Spice One can't do that. Them Southern rappers are somewhat one dimensional. Not all of them. We know Andre, we know Bun, we know J. Cole. You know what I'm saying? We know CeeLo, you know what I mean? All them niggas do different things and shit. We know the, the top ones, but the ones that's talking shit are jealous because they're not as versatile they didn't break through and have the career that Jay-Z had. They don't have the recognition. They don't have the accolades. They don't have the accomplishments. They don't have Beyonce. Because a lot of them niggas wanted Beyonce, nigga. And they couldn't get her. The nigga cheated on Beyonce and got to keep Beyonce. Big Gip and Spice One couldn't cheat on Beyonce and keep Beyonce. Let's be honest here. Like I said, I love Big Gip and Spice One. I do. Pioneers in rap. Well respected. But I disagree with y'all 100%. Y'all are jealous. It's clear. Now, Spice One picking Pac over Jay-Z, that's completely fine. I got no issue with that. Tupac is a GOAT. But a lot of y'all are taking this Jay-Z hate train shit too far. I had said this last year. It was going to come around to people hating on Jay-Z. Jay-Z was going to be next on the hate train. Because they did it with Eminem first. They're trying to wipe out and discredit the people that grew up. I mean, the people that came up in the early 2000s and late 90s. In which Jay-Z did. A lot of this shit. Is just out of control. And to discredit. Somebody like Jay-Z. Is an issue to me. Because you're trying to minimize. What Jay-Z has done. In his what. Okay he came out what. 96. It's 2023 so. Damn, 27 year career. You're trying to minimize what Hove did in 27 years. In favor of Tupac, who was only alive and around for five. I love Pac, but it's just the difference between a Tupac and a Jay-Z. Now, Pac recorded a lot of music. But I only count the albums that Tupac was alive for and vouched for. I don't count Better Days. I don't count Until the End of Times. I don't count the all of the posthumous albums. 
Are You Still Down? Machiavelli was made when he was alive. And Tupac okayed the shit to be put out there. But y'all, I haven't even talked about the people that Jay-Z has written for. Haven't even talked about that yet. I don't even need to. A lot of these people are using Jay-Z for relevancy purposes. Because Jay-Z is in his 50s and still more relevant than the people talking about him. And then there was this punk ass young kid talking shit about Hove saying Hove never ran a year of rap. Hove was never the best rapper for a year. Hove never ran rap. Do you fools just listen to music or do you just skim through it? Um, the only niggas moving units is M Pimp Juice and us. Then you bring up the biggie thing. Okay. Really? Like he didn't acknowledge that. I say a big verse. I'm only big enough, my brother. Big enough to do it. And my flow is foolish. He addressed that. Context, ladies and gentlemen. Before you make crazy accusations, you got to have context to it. And this kid really literally went down the years off of record sales only. You didn't acknowledge the fact that Reasonable Doubt is what was widely considered a classic. Now, he wasn't running shit when he dropped that. He didn't start running shit until 98, 99. I know 98 DMX was the man. But Hard Knock Life sold 5 million copies. You got to take that into effect. You got to run a little bit of shit to sell 5 million. I don't care. Then Volume 3 comes out. Big Pimpin', arguably the biggest hit of 1999. You could argue and say that Jay was the best rapper, even though Volume 3 wasn't his best album. Then you had the Dynasty album. Right? Then 01, the blueprint. He dissed Nas. 01. Jay, I mean, he he was definitely running shit in 01. You couldn't tell Jay-Z shit in 01. 02 was probably M. 03 was Jay-Z. Well, I'ma say 04 was Jay because the black album didn't come out until December. 03 was 50. 04 was definitely Jay because of the black album. And then maybe a little bit of Kanye in there. So, to say that Jay-Z's never ran a year of hip-hop is ridiculous. Like, there was even times where, even when he wasn't in his prime, his albums was still going number one. Still. With Kingdom Come, with American Gangster, Holy Grail, which was underrated in my book. 444. Like albums like that. Was going number one. Yeah, the Jay-Z hate train, it must be stopped. Immediately. Now let's move on. 
what are we talking about here? The Milwaukee Bucks. No one's talking about their winning streak. Another disappointing ball dropping by NBA and their analyst. They're on a 16-game winning streak, y'all. Let's take a look at some of the teams that they've beaten. During this 15-game win streak. Let's talk about it. All right, all right. Let's see. Let's go back to when the Bucks last lost a game. Okay. Pistons, whatever. But they beat the number one seed, Denver Nuggets. They beat the Pacers. They beat the Pelicans without Zion. They beat the Hornets. They beat the Clippers. They beat the Heat contender. They beat the Blazers. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Clippers again. They swept the Clippers. They beat the uh, Boston Celtics in overtime. They beat the Chicago Bulls. They beat the Heat again. They beat the Phoenix Suns. They beat the Brooklyn Nets. They beat the Orlando Magic. So it's half and half, basically. So it's half and half. Got to give the Bucks some credit. In some of those games, they won with Giannis without Giannis Antipo Negro. But this is what happens when the Bucks are 100%. I mean, Bobby Portis just came back. The whole roster is there. I mean, Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. I mean, there's not many trios better than that. We know when they are healthy, they are a threat for the championship. We know this. Last year, they lost because of Middleton not being there. If Middleton's there, that's 15 to 20 points per game. Those points are crucial. Those points are crucial and important. You know, you got a guy that can score 15, 20 points. It's valuable. Period, point blank. So shout out to Milwaukee. The Los Angeles Lakers are preparing to make a postseason run without LeBron James. So they are preparing as if LeBron's going to be out for the season. That's how much of in a panic mode the Lakers are in. But you got to make the playoffs first, my baby. You got to make the playoffs first, my baby. Because they are currently, what, 11th in the West? Got a long way to go, in the great words of Cassie. But I just found that story to be comical. Because the Lakers and their fans really think that they are so dangerous and scary. When they are going to get their ass smoked like a pack of cools and a pack of Virginia Slims in the playoffs. That shit's kind of cute to me. Moving on. 
Let's see. Sixers and Mavs have a complete shootout last night. I was there. Well, I wasn't there there, but I watched the game from start to finish. Luka and Kyrie finally shut down a motherfucking contender. As the Mavericks actually finished a game 133 to 126. And it was an impressive game from both Luka and Kyrie who are slowly learning how to play together. And please stop asking Kyrie questions about whether he's going to resign. It's none of your motherfucking business, bitch. Let him finish out the season first. And you can see that Kyrie is gaining chemistry with his team. You can just see it. I mean, Luka had 42 points, 12 assists. Kyrie had 40 points and 6 assists. They were both amazing and a very fun team to watch. As Harden and Embiid, no matter how hard they tried to come back into the game, Kyrie and Luka was just not having it this game. They already got criticism from, you know, Blowing a 27-point lead against the sorry-ass Lakers. They didn't need to blow another lead against Philly. I mean, Embiid, Maxi, and Harden did all that they could to win that game. But it was Kyrie and Luka. It was Kyrie and Luka's time. Embiid at 35. Maxi had 29. Harden at 27 points and 13 assists. Harden and Luka was going at it. Straight like that. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough as Luka and Kyrie solidify their presence against the Sixers. Last but not least, we got the Creed 3 soundtrack. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. And this is pretty much another Dreamville group project. So, from a technical standpoint... If we're talking King Known Awards, right? Nomination style. They're eligible for Best Rap Group Album. Eligible for Mixtape of the Year. Not eligible for Album of the Year. Because it's a soundtrack. A soundtrack is what? A mixtape. And I don't feel like it's fair to put mixtapes and soundtracks in the album of the year when these artists put their all into these albums and try to get recognition and love for what they do. But um, let's get into the Creed 3 soundtrack. All right. The opening track. I'm going to just tell you this. This is hip-hop in its purest form. We got Culture featuring Mez, Reason, Simba, and 8AE. Damn, I sound like Doc Rivers. I sound like motherfucking Doc Rivers. God damn. Y'all gotta get back to the goddamn gate. <laughs> anyway. Yo, this is a good combination of artists. 8AE, the female, had the hardest hook to me. 
Damn, this was produced by Cardiac and Elite. Nice. Reason got a verse of the year candidate on candidacy on this one. It might not hold on, but um, yeah, man. Reason killed this verse. I mean, Symbol wasn't no slouch either. Maz did good. I feel like the track is definitely a five out of five for sure. The next song, My Boy with Jid and Luke was super disappointing. I was disappointed in Jid and Luke. They both could do better than that. This is probably the second weakest song to me. Sorry. It was hella disappointing. It, it's the, the song was so basic. And it doesn't show Loot and Jid's ability to me. If that was the first song you heard Jid and Loot on, you wouldn't want to check out another song with them too. It was that disappointing. Anthem with Big Sean and ESTG. ESTG verse was crazy. So was Sean's. Don't get me wrong. We expect that from Sean. ESTG. I was not expecting that from. So shout out to him. Adonis interlude the montage. It's basically J. Cole rapping over the watcher to be. So you got to hear kind of J. Cole on a Dr. Dre track, which it is. I mean, Dr. Dre got the producer credit. So the Adonis interlude, the montage, I haven't seen the movie yet, so I assume hopefully this would be in the movie. I mean, that was tight that J. Cole was rapping over this beat. I like it. Greater with Ari Lennox. Incredible. Ari Lennox is at, is at the top of the tops when it comes to R&B in this era. And this track... basically um, makes what I say true. Greater is just great R&B. Oh, Go Grow with Boss and Aira Star. This shit was okay. It was okay. Not my favorite at all. Boss got some versatility as an artist. He can sing. He can rap. He can do any genre of music. Boss is very versatile. Just face it with Blast and Hit Boy. Oh my God. Definitely one of my top five favorite tracks on here. This is amazing. Fucking amazing. Shout out to Blast. Headhunters with Westside Boogie, Kaz, and Kevin Ross. Pretty solid album filler. Strong album filler. If you ask me. Headhunters is pretty solid. Jack, Earth Gang, and Buddy. Woo! Yo, Earth Gang was snapping on here. Buddy snapped on the opening verse. Like, all three of them just went the fuck off. Definitely another top five favorite on here. Hate Me Now with Mariba 
Aaron, Ray, and Omen. Pretty good song. Gotta give Omen some credit. Even though they only gave my man like six bars and shit. They only gave my man six bars. But Hate Me Now, pretty good R&B song. Definitely enjoyed it. Another, another top five favorite on here. Talk to me with Omen, Ari Lennox, and OG Dave. All three of them went hard. This is one of my favorites, for sure. Definitely up there, man. Lay up with Sir and Sid. I expected a teeny tiny bit more out of both of them. Not gonna lie to y'all. But however, I wasn't necessarily disappointed about what they did either. I wasn't disappointed. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe I expected too much out of those two because, you know, Sir is underrated as an R&B artist. Sid is definitely underrated as an R&B artist and basically as pretty much a complete artist as well. So, long the way with Moray, we've been waiting on some new Moray. And let me tell you something, Moray has not lost a step as he sounds like a great value CeeLo on this song. But that's a good, that's a compliment though. CeeLo's one of the more underrated rappers in history. As Moray does his Moray thing. In the room with Jid, Tierra Wack, and BJ the Chicago Kid. Amazing. An amazing song. Um, Tierra Wack, I'm not gonna front. She's been a disappointment. She's been a disappointment because she should be on that level with Lotto, with Megan, with uh, Rhapsody, with Flo Millie, with, you know, um, what's the other chick? Armani Caesar. She is literally on that level. In my honest opinion of opinions. She's on that level, but she just doesn't come out with enough music. She needs to drop an album and leave those EPs alone. But as far as the track goes, I mean, Tierra Wack went hard. Jid went hard. BJ Just Chicago Kids always been undefeated with hooks. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all. But, um... Yeah, man. Uh, the next track, Shadows with Kaylani. Pretty good. Pretty good. I think that should be a hit record. That's like a pop record to me. I think that's a pop record. Definitely a pop record for sure. Burn Bridges with Luke, Kaz, Reason, and Aaron Ray. Pretty cool. Dope track. I think all three guys deliver. There's no disappointments here. I ain't mad at him. Heavy is the head with Baby Rose. I mean, Baby Rose got talent. 
I just didn't like the vocals on here. I'm sorry. I can't get with the uh, quivering of the voice. I know I can't sing, but this is what she was trying to sound like. It sounded like she was just shivering. Now, the words are great for the song. I know Baby Rose got a very unique voice. I understand. And usually I could tolerate her voice, but on this particular song, I just couldn't do it. Like, I would have to literally be at the brink of death to listen to this record. Sorry, not sorry. Just can't deal with it. Sorry to all Baby Rose fans. Sorry. Heavy as the head, though, it was properly written, though. Last but not least, Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Boss and Black Sharif and KLP. Eh, it was alright. Afro beat attempt and shit. It was okay. All in all, um, Creed 2 soundtrack, I definitely enjoyed myself. I was entertained. I was listening to it while I was watching the game, and I was just like, damn, this is pretty good. Definitely going to be a heavy contender for mixtape of the year. Going to be in a lot of categories. Dreamville done did it again, and they're going to be hard to beat for group of the year, especially if they continuously drop music. But I believe that that is my show. I want to thank y'all for uh, <laughs> listening to me, fucking with me while I'm kind of like really sick as fuck. <laughs> Half my voice is gone. It's, it's returning. You know, you notice it got better. That's only because I had a coughing fit off camera. <laughs> Boy, motherfucker had a frog in his throat. Pause. But uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to King Known Uncensored, New Music Fridays. The Warriors are coming, and I'm out. <laughs>